0: Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your every day. Time certainly flies. It's crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now, on to our guests this week. Experience in the business setting of sports is crucial no matter what role you have or what role you want in the future. Our next guest spent the majority of his career in minor league baseball and has worked his way up into the vice president chair. I'm excited to have Taylor Fisher, vice president, ticket sales and service with the Nashville Sounds in minor league baseball. Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Taylor, very excited to have you and certainly dive into your career. And going back to the beginning, you attend Bentley University, receive a degree in corporate finance and
1: accounting. What did you think you were going to do career wise? Uh, so my grandfather was an accountant and he was like one of my closest friends and, uh, so biggest supporter and everything. So I really thought I wanted to follow in his footsteps, but for as long as I could remember, my goal has always been to run the Red Sox. So we're like, we're on the right path right now. Um, I just thought I might take the, that path from like an accounting and business side of things. And, um, it hasn't followed that direct path, but, uh, we're on the right path.
0: Nice. That's awesome. And so you then go on to receive your master's in sports leadership right away from Northeastern University. A lot of listeners, they go back and forth. Do I go right away? Do I go back later? Do I ever go back and and receive further education? What's your advice to listeners on furthering their
1: education, whether it be right away or down the road? Yeah, so I think it's... um... I think it's case by case. Um, I'm one of like here in Nashville, I'm probably one of a very small handful of people that have their master's degrees. Like, I personally don't think it's a requirement by any means. But my personal situation is when I graduated from Bentley, it was the tail end of the recession. Uh, So at that time, jobs were really hard to come by. And so I was essentially unemployed outside of just working a few hours here and there at a school, um, for the first 13 months after graduation. So that was super fun. And, uh, so as yep. I was in my career at Bentley, one of my professors, um, called me into his office, asked me what I wanted to do. I said, I wanted to work in sports and the, and the crazy thing about, um, at that time is like sports management wasn't really like a widespread major. Uh, There were no sports classes outside of a sports law class at Bentley. So I didn't really have, there wasn't an avenue to get my foot in the door in sports. Um, And so he recommended the Masters of Sports Leadership program at Northeastern. He said one of his colleagues was one of the professors over there and spoke very highly of it. I mean, it was a relatively new program at the time. Uh, So I applied, got accepted. And for um, it was for me, it was almost entirely an online class because once I finally got into it, I still needed to work and make money. And I was living back home. Uh, so I was working part-time, going to grad school online, um, and then I finally landed a full-time job in sales, um, electrical sales, after that, after that 13-month window. And so I was doing a full-time job plus doing my classes online at night. So uh, for me, it just made sense to do my master's because there wasn't a whole lot else going on for me at that time, and I it, it provided me good um, skills and classes and connections, but um, I don't think it's a requirement for everyone. I think that worked for me.
0: But in general, it's you know education is always the best. You know, you you want it, whether educating through through formalized program or just educating yourself through mentors, reading, listening, etc. Yeah. If you're- it, Taylor, after receiving your, your degrees, you receive then, and, and you we talk a lot about in this business going above and beyond, several different internships, early work experience. What's your advice to young listeners on how to make the most out of their early experience, whether that be internships, entry-level, or even job shadowing?
1: Yeah, so for me, um, that's why the master's program was so important to me, is I didn't have any internships during my undergrad career. Um, I was working on campus. I was working back home, but there was nothing that would constitute an internship. Um, So the final class of that, of this master's program is to have an internship in sports. And so this was like my first and probably only crack at getting my foot in the door um, was through this program so one of my uh, classmates actually hired me as a game day intern for a summer collegiate team in Lynn Massachusetts which is just north of Boston um, so she hired me as a game day intern unpaid um, for course credit um, just that, so that's could- always got to be a pause because a
0: lot of our young listeners out there are like what do you mean unpaid like yes yeah. back in the day we, we worked a lot for zero pay.
1: Yeah. So it was for course credit and it was how I was going to complete my, my degree. So, um, I jumped at the opportunity. I had a full-time job at the time. So I was like, cool. I get to work full-time and then I get to watch a baseball game for three months out of the summer. Like that's pretty cool. Um, so I got that internship. Um, I got, I just wanted to do everything. So like I just dove in, I helped with on field stuff. I sold tickets. I worked in the fun zone. I worked in the concession stand. I just did everything that was asked of me. Um, showed up early, stayed late, like there was nothing better for me than working at a baseball stadium for for three months. Um, And so that's kind of what ultimately paid off is the general manager of the team um, reached out to me after the season and said, hey, um, I want to see what I can do to help you like take that next step. And I was just going to the stadium to talk with him about like what I was interested in and what I want to do, showed up at the stadium and he said, I had no intention of the meeting going this way, but literally a couple hours ago, one of the other teams in the league um, reached out to me that they're looking for a general manager. And I was like, okay, what's that have to do with me? And he was like, I think you could do it. And I was like, how is that possible? I was (laughs) "He's like, no, you don't understand. In summer collegiate baseball, the GMs are traditionally pretty young, early on in their career. Um, I think you can do it. So he vouched for me to that, those owners, um, they hired me and I went from game day intern to general manager, which was crazy. And Ride I to jump. Yeah. yeah. I, re- I always tell people like it was super awesome. It's a glamorous title, but I was the only employee. So like they had no other title to give me. So it was just like a game day internship on steroids where I had to do everything. And I learned an immense amount and that that really benefited, benefited me in my career for sure.
0: That's awesome. And you, as you continue to embark on your career, you, you then ultimately earn an opportunity with the Frederick Keys and there you sell sponsorship for a few years. So looking back at, at that time, you know, and even your GM experience and then selling sponsorship for, you know, minor league baseball team,
1: what's something you know now that you wish you would have known back then? Uh, yes. Yeah, selling baseball was definitely a learning curve compared to my first sales job out after college was so... When I was selling electrical products, we sold products for companies for basically any products that built that are used to build a house. So every, everything from nuts, bolts and screws to bathroom fans and, and floor heat and all this all this stuff. And all of that is pretty much a necessity. It's just a matter of what brand you purchase. Once I got to Frederick, I. Um, Selling baseball is not a necessity by any means. So the it becomes a different like game of, okay, you want to buy our brand instead of this brand. You now have to convince people you want to spend your disposable income on this opposed to something else that's not a need by any means. It's a want. So that was a learning curve in the beginning, especially on the sponsorship side. Now you're trying to convince companies that they want to brand themselves through the medium of minor league baseball, opposed to billboards on the highway or, or radio ads. And a lot stuff. of competition. For sure. So yeah, it's just a totally different um, dynamic of how you go about the sales process. Nice. Well, you know, along that sales process, now over seven years
0: ago, you received the opportunity to go to the Nashville sounds where you're at now, the AAA affiliate of the Milwaukee brewers. And you first went selling in business development and worked your way up now to the vice president of ticket sales and service. First, what do you feel like you've done to continue to get promoted internally?
1: Uh, I think like some of it is certainly like good timing. Um, but I think just a lot of hard work and dedication, like, um, I come from a home where my dad was an electrician at a fire department. So a very blue collar family. My mom worked in the school district. So like see my dad already be at work at like 545, 6am every day. Like that really, I felt that instilled a lot of good work values in me. And so like, I don't think that when I'm coming to the stadium, I don't view working at a base for a baseball team as like work. It's fun. Um, and so like for me to get to work early, like that doesn't feel like it's a problem or anything. Like I'm just having, having a fun time. And so like, I'm not saying you have to work a million hours to advance your career and work hard. I just think when you are working, you're working diligently, working really hard. And there were, as, as I've gotten promoted over the years, um, some of it was just really good timing where, when there was an internal promotion opportunity, maybe there were people that. I, I was probably the most senior person or had the most experience here. So it, that worked out really well. But I also like to think that a lot of my hard work just paid off as well.
0: You have to put yourself in a good position. You know, if you dominate your current day-to-day tasks, that's how more responsibility is, is earned. And, you know, over your time at The Sound, you've held four different roles. And, and I know you've been approached by other different opportunities and roles outside of the organization. What do you feel like The Sound's organization has done to help retain top talent like yourself for so long?
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot of trust from leadership and ownership is like um, I've worked in positions where you may feel super micromanaged or um, I don't know there's just not a lot of a lot of trust in what you're doing and so um, a lot of the last seven years here has been like you got hired for a reason we trust your abilities to do so now go and do your job and um, we only need to deviate from that path if you're not meeting expectations. So um, I know on the sales side, we have a lot of different salespeople that all have very different sales styles and everyone brings in revenue differently. And the mindset has always been as long as you're bringing in revenue and meeting, meeting marks and quotas and goals and all that, then we're all good. Um, so I think having that trust in myself and our team as well, like that, that gives people like you're given some flexibility and leeway on things because it's like, Hey, you're just doing your job. If you're working hard, we're all good. It doesn't matter how you're getting to a certain number, as long as you're going about it the right way and working hard. No, absolutely. Well, you know,
0: Taylor, you've helped grow that franchise to be one of the most successful minor league teams in the country. You, you host nearly 120 events a year at the facility. So an additional, you know, 40, 50 ancillary events, as you think about your time there, what are you most proud of when it comes you know, to your time here over the last several years with the sounds?
1: Yeah, we've had a lot of really awesome successes over the years. And I would say especially the last three years in particular have been super, super awesome here. Um, I would say just kind of a couple, actually. Coming out of COVID, our 2021 season was um, shortened. We started off just for a few games at... Um, with uh, limited capacity and all that, but we really had no expectations for 2021. Um, it was just kind of like let's sell as much as we can, fill the stadium as much as we can. And although we didn't hit any type of heights that we're currently at, like 2021 was a wildly successful season, and we exceeded all expectations across across um that that season. Uh, I would say last year was probably like. My proudest year here is last year. Our team just absolutely dominated across all aspects: sales, marketing, stadium operations. Every department just pulled their weight. did a, did so much work on the sales side. We shattered every single revenue record that could have possibly been set, um, and that was really, really cool. Um, shattered it by a wide margin, which just made our goals mm-hmm. like absurd this year. And, and they go a little bit higher just a little bit higher. Um, but then all of that, everyone kind of rowing in the same direction, the whole front office. Um, we, as an organization were named the 2022 minor league baseball organization of the year out of all 120 teams. Um, so when they announced that at winter meetings, um, it was such a, such a wild feeling. Like we were all like, we knew we were in the running, but then to actually hear that, like that was such a wild, wild feeling.
0: Again, we're here on 52 weeks of hustle. The guest today, Taylor Fisher, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service with the Nashville Sounds. And Taylor, let's get into three hot topics. Question one, we've talked a lot about your minor league experience and and what is one thing that you feel like minor league minor
1: league teams do really well that you believe most professional organizations should implement? Yeah, I think um I think there's been a change for a lot of the the major teams major league baseball nba nfl and nhl Um, but i think one thing that minor league baseball does better than anyone is the fan experience and the beauty of coming to a minor league baseball game is in general people really don't care if the team wins or loses as long as they're having a great time because it's family friendly affordable entertainment so if you can make the experience Everything that people care about, then if the team wins, that's just a bonus. If something crazy happens on the field, that's just a bonus. And that's something that minor league baseball has done exceptionally well for as longer than I've been here. I work in minor league baseball because of my experience of going to Portland Sea Dogs games growing up up in Maine um so many times because it was such an awesome experience the sea dogs many times weren't playing well it, that yeah. didn't matter we just had an awesome time as a family and that's a huge reason why i work in minor league baseball
0: and that's a big thing about experience in general you know i've always told everybody like you know we don't sell wins and losses and at the end of the day like you ask if if 50 people go to a game a month from now 45 of them are going to be like they remember the hot dog. They remember the beer was cold. They remember the mascot. They remember a giveaway. They're not even going to remember who played, let alone a win or a loss. So great point. And Taylor question too, much of the understanding of the minor leagues is that you're really able to experience doing a little bit of everything. So what was it like for you and your team, knowing that it may be selling tickets one day, helping with a community event the next, and then being a mascot on another day?
1: So, uh, yeah, for sure. I've done a lot of all of that over my career. Are uh, there any
0: videos or pictures of you in a mascot outfit?
1: Yeah, there's some good ones out there. Nice. All right. It, We're gonna, somebody, it, somebody to listen is going to be an inspector gadget, and they're going to be able to, to share that with me. Um, yeah, there's a great one of I had to dress up as a cigarette um, in like the ballpark safety videos. and Yeah. <laughs> And my coworkers are throwing me in a cigarette costume into the dumpster at the stadium. This was in Frederick. This was not here. Um, but that Amazing. gets played a couple times every year. Like, look at this fool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I've done a lot of that over, over the years. Like I'm willing to do whatever, like at the end of the day, I tell everyone we work for a baseball team. There are people that I don't know, sell insurance or in banking or do all these other, like not exciting jobs. Like we get to look at a baseball field. 12 months out of the year and we get to watch a baseball game six months out of the year um, here in Nashville. There's a lot less kind of getting spread out because we do. We're very fortunate to have a very large front office for a minor league team. Um, so most of my job is sales, but like always happy to jump in and do whatever. But I've been the mascot on other teams many more times than <laughs> I've
0: <laughs> Question three, Yo, Taylor, you've done a great job of really immersing yourself here in the Nashville community and, and you serve on the board of Kiwanis Nashville Foundation have served on other boards in the past. Why is it important for you to give back and what is your advice to people on getting involved, really
1: regardless of their, their title or role. I just think being active in the community is really important. Um, this kind of goes back to my hometown. I'm from a really, really small town of five or six thousand people. Um, I mentioned my dad's on the fire department. My mom worked in the school system. So, like, all I ever knew growing up was going to small community events, and that's how you get to know everyone and and kind of do right by people and work together on different projects. So it's I always find it very fun, regardless of what team I'm at been at here or elsewhere like when we have the opportunity to do community service projects um, I love being able to help out or like you said serving on boards and, or being part of civic organizations outside of the team too like those are super valuable and give a lot back to the community so I think it's just an especially when you work for a team where people are spending their disposable income to support you the least you can do is um, put in the time to give back
0: awesome Taylor what a great career certainly an exciting journey. As you think back, what's been your best memory?
1: Oh, there's been there's been so many so many. I would probably circle back to to last year. Um winning the organization of the year award was just like the the cool probably the coolest thing um in our career in, in my career for our organization. Um kind of additionally though, is last year when we were when we were setting all our records and everything we had hit every sales goal before Memorial day last year, which was absurd. Um, so myself and our general manager kind of put our heads together and like, Hey, like what's something outrageous we could do. And so he pitched to our owner that if we, we put a a new stretch goal in place. So we we were great goal already, but we put an outrageous stretch goal in place and said, if we hit that goal, um, everyone in the front office gets an all expenses paid trip to Mexico. Um, and we hit it with six weeks left in the season. It's amazing. And, um, so our entire front office had the opportunity to go on an all expenses paid trip to Mexico after the season. And that was just a wild thing to get approved. Our owner approved it in a less than two minute phone call. And we yep. we had all our numbers and reasonings. as You're to ready what- to battle it. And-, and he was just like, good to go. That's awesome. That's so awesome. That- Really cool um, to have that come to fruition and everyone obviously loved the trip. So that was yeah. super. Well, Taylor, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey to
0: close it out. I like put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? Let's do it. Well, you know, I'm a big believer in boats. And then we've, <laughs> we've, we've had our ups and downs of cancellations and, and a lot of rainstorms out on the boat together. But if, if you owned a boat, what would you name it?
1: Uh, that's easy. It's uh, living the dream. You had to eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it be uh if you know me you know i'm like the pickiest of eaters but i would say probably i i could eat pasta all all day long so i'd say either chicken parm or chicken broccoli alfredo if you hosted a late night talk show who would be your first guest uh shack just pure entertainment
0: a lot of entertainment <laughs> to, to close it out what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener
1: to be in your shoes one day Um, oh, I have a few. So I have a sign that's up on the wall behind me. It says, uh, work hard and be nice to people. So I think those are two really important ones. It's something I see every day. And I try to remind people that, uh, work here that that's, that's good mindset. Um, but I always say, be a great teammate. Um, the reason why we we had the success we did last year is because everyone was, like I said, was rowing in the rowing in the right direction, the same direction. So if you're a good teammate, you collaborate well with other departments, that's just going to take the organization to to a new height. Um, and so that, have a great work ethic, so work hard. Um, and from a sales perspective, I always say do right by people or do right by your clients. So it's not about selling someone. Uh, I don't know, $10, if a $10,000 package. If a $500 season ticket works for them, like just do right by them, take care of them. Um, and it all pays off in the end. Love it.
0: Taylor, thank you so much. What a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks for having me, Travis. I appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.
3: access to a center is easy and affordable interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire blue wire to learn more and find a center near you that's u-n-i-f-y-d healing.com blue wire no material or testimonials on the unified healing website